If we follow the church's regular readings for this particular Sunday, this early Sunday in January, we find the story of the baptism of Jesus. If you look at the lectionary readings for the day, it's about the baptism of Jesus. Just a few days ago, we were celebrating the birth of Jesus, and then now we celebrate the baptism of Jesus. And guess what? Jesus wasn't baptized as a baby. Baptism marks the beginning of Jesus' public ministry. There's very little in the Gospels about Jesus' youth, his childhood, his youth, all the way till he turns 30 and is baptized. There's almost nothing. The story moves basically from Jesus' birth to Jesus' baptism. So we have the baptismal story today from the Gospel according to Luke, chapter 3. This version is the simplest version, the most abbreviated version of all the baptismal stories In the Gospels, listen. As the people were filled with expectation and all were questioning in their hearts concerning John, whether he might be the Messiah, John answered all of them by saying, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I is coming. I'm not worthy to untie the thong of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his flesh threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his granary, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. Now when all the people were baptized, and when Jesus was also, had also been baptized and was praying, the heavens opened, and the Holy Spirit descended upon him in bodily form like a dove, and a voice came from heaven, "'You are my Son, the Beloved,' With you I am well pleased. This is the word of the Lord. It is a simple scene. People were drawn to John for baptism. All through the Old Testament, there are references, especially uh, as folks came into sacred moments, as folks came into sacred places, there are references in the Old Testament to people being cleansed to people being washed, made clean. So washing and cleansing and baptism, this was an outward act, a a symbolizing of an inward turning to God for faith, for refreshment, for new life with God and for God. John the Baptist had created this kind of energy through his preaching and through his teaching, and life was kind of a mess, and people knew they needed to turn to God and seek a new way. So the gospel writer Luke says the people were filled with expectation, and they were coming to John to be baptized, and he was so seemingly charismatic that the people were asking, is this the Messiah? Is this the one to come? And John says, no. No, I'm not the one. There's another who's coming to baptize, and he'll baptize you with Holy Spirit and with fire. Luke then says that John is arrested and put in prison by Herod, and then almost as an afterthought to the whole scene, tells us that Jesus is baptized with lots of other people. That's it. It doesn't seem to matter who baptized Jesus to Luke. It doesn't seem to matter where or how he was baptized. It just says he was 
baptized with all the other people. What matters is what happened after the baptism. Jesus was praying, it says. The heavens opened. The Holy Spirit in bodily form came and descended like a dove on Jesus. And then finally a voice came from heaven. You are my son, the beloved, and with you I am well pleased. The point of Jesus' baptism is really simple, and it's twofold. Jesus is given an identity, and with that identity comes a mission. As God's beloved son, Jesus will move almost immediately to inaugurating and initiating the coming reign of God. The coming reign of God on earth. The very next verse in this chapter says, Jesus was about 30 years old when he began his work. And his work was and is calling disciples and inaugurating and initiating the coming of God's reign in the world, the coming of love and light and peace and joy for the whole world. That's his work, calling disciples and getting on with it. One of my favorite pieces of Scripture was also read today by Thomas from Isaiah. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. For I'm the Lord your God. I call you precious in my sight. I love you. Do not fear. I am with you. And the anthem echoed all that today. Powerful words of God's promises. We are given a name. We're given God's presence and care forever and so often in our lives we need to hear it because we get covered up by life's burdens so often we move through life and the darkness seems overwhelming and the promises get squashed out so often we need to hear those great words of God's love God's care do not fear you are precious you are mine forever But that's not all. That's not all we need to hear. That name that we're given, you're precious in my sight, those promises that we hear, do not fear, that always leads to a mission. We're called to be disciples. People who follow Jesus and people who promote the life and the love and the hope and the peace and the joy of God's emerging reign. We have a mission. So in the early weeks of this new year, 2016, I think it's important for us to reflect again on what it means to follow Jesus. What does it mean to follow Jesus, especially in our complicated, consumeristic world? So we began a series, Following Jesus Without Embarrassing God. That's the title. That phrase and this sermon title comes from a preacher and a writer, Tony Campolo, who reminds us that we as Christians seem to love to follow Jesus. But we have this propensity to embarrass God. All of us have surely done things that have embarrassed God. We have been pompous. 
when God calls us to be humble. We have been rude when God calls us to be patient and kind. We have been hateful and hurtful when God calls us to love. We have said things about God that probably make God shudder. And in our trying to follow Jesus, we've undoubtedly behaved in other ways that embarrass God. And we certainly live in a world when others seemingly speaking and acting as Christians bring embarrassment to God. Is Jerry Falwell Jr.'s encouragement that students at Liberty University get concealed weapons permits about following Jesus? Or does that bring embarrassment to God? Is Donald Trump's claim to be a Presbyterian (laughs) and then his harsh words about Muslims about following Jesus? Or does that bring embarrassment to God? Can we say we are one nation under God and still lead the world in daily deaths by gun violence? Can we say we're one nation under God and still have the highest proportion of our population in prison? Does that bring embarrassment to God? Soren Kierkegaard was one of the most thoughtful writers and theologians, and he was a critic of the Danish church through the 19th century. He has some fantastic writings. Some folks approached Kierkegaard and said that they were shocked and appalled that the sanctuary of their church had been used by some teenagers for a dance. Kierkegaard responding, responded in this way. Using the sanctuary for a dance on Saturday night is not half as bad as using it on Sunday morning to make a fool out of God. Certainly there's a lot of subjectivity. There's a lot of variety of opinions about what is faithful following of Jesus and what embarrasses God We might debate that in a lot of ways. That's why this subject needs our constant attention, needs our present reflections and care. I received an email this week. I also received an invitation in the mail that went along with the email. It was an invitation to attend a major prayer event in downtown Richmond coming up this month. I was interested. The opening line of the invitation says that sin and degradation are overtaking our society and we need to come together to pray. I was interested. But here's what I learned in reading the invitation. The sin and degradation were not about the increasing numbers of senseless murders in our city. Not about the increasing challenges of poverty and homelessness in our city. Not about decaying schools, not about lack of public transportation, not about continuing racial division in our city. I would have attended a prayer meeting about any of those because we got to come together as God's people and live into our calling. 
the issues, the invitation was about sin and degradation because we have an over-acceptance of gays. And we have an easy, too easy access to abortion and other things that were called serious social problems. So, you can see, and I'm admitting, there are obviously ways to debate what it means to follow Jesus and what's going to bring embarrassment to God. we got to talk about it. So in the coming weeks, I want us to think about faithful following of Jesus in ways that do not embarrass God. I want to set out some issues and encourage us in what the scriptures remind us about today. I'm calling you by name. You are precious in my sight. I love you. I will never let you go. When the waters, the fires come upon you, I'll be there. I am with you. Do not fear. We depend on that. But we also live in a complicated times, in a consumer society with lots of rhetoric and lots of things going on, in a multi-faith and multifaceted world. And it's easy to think that if you're not of a certain color or a certain sex or a certain sexual orientation or not from a certain place or a certain background or with a certain level of education or wealth in your pockets, then you're not good enough. Or you don't belong and you're not welcome. But God says, do not fear. I've called you by name. You are mine. And God says to Jesus at his baptism, you are my son, beloved. With you, I'm well pleased. And God says to each of us, right at our baptisms, you belong to me. And your lives are about loving me and serving me in the world. And we need to hear all of that because we get so overwhelmed with life's burdens and challenges and we find ourselves doubting God's presence and doubting God's promises and the darkness can cover us. We need to hear again those promises. We need to trust our lives to God's care. And then, and then along with Jesus and following Jesus, we know we have work to do, important work to do, to promote the love and the light and the hope and the joy and the peace and the possibilities that God promises for the whole world. We have work to do. We want to follow Jesus and not embarrass God. And we have to keep thinking about this and working on this. We have lots of messages from many places. And if we're not attentive and if we're not careful, we just might find ourselves not walking really in faithfulness, but just walking and perhaps even embarrassing God. We have to be vigilant, and we have to be as a community conversing about many things and help each other really discern what is faithful, what it means to be disciples, because, friends, this is the way for all of us. Discipleship. I know one of the Sunday school classes this morning was talking about Jerusalem and Israel. I want to talk for a moment about the temple in Jerusalem. The temple in Jerusalem was for many centuries this primary spot. Uh, It was a massive structure, and it was sitting on a hill, which is Jerusalem. It could be seen for miles around. The visibility, the prevalence of the temple with prominent architecture uh, and its central location created an awe, a sacredness in that city, and that awe and sacredness remain even today. Solomon built the original temple, you might remember, described in Deuteronomy. He built it around 950 B.C. 
that temple served for about 400 years before it was destroyed by the Babylonians in the early part of the 6th century B.C. And then following the Babylonian exile, the people were carried away and they were brought back and they rebuilt the temple and this rebuilding is described in the book of Ezra. The second temple was built around 500 B.C. And the second temple stood in that same spot, proudly on the Temple Mount in the center of Jerusalem for another 500 years before it was destroyed by the Romans some decades after Jesus' life and death and resurrection, destroyed around the year 70 A.D. What remains today of the temple, even 2,000 years later, today, 2,000 years later, are just some lower walls, including the Western Wall, or some people know it as the Wailing Wall, a sacred place, a popular place for prayer. And what else remains are the temple steps. There's something very interesting about the temple steps. These huge pieces of stone laid together to make their way up the Temple Mount. The steps to the temple were built intentionally uneven. Intentionally uneven. Some are long, some are not. Some are short, some are taller. This was done purposefully so that there would be no way that anyone could walk to the temple, approach the presence of God, come into sacred space without thinking about their steps. You had to focus on where you were walking in order to to come before God. I think that is a fantastic point. If we're going to be faithful... If we're going to be God's good and loving and serving people, if we're going to live in God's light, we cannot just walk routinely through life. We have to be diligent about our steps. We have to pay attention to how we're going. We have to be thinking and working always on our faithfulness. Faithfulness doesn't just happen without sincere thought and attention to our steps. Faithfulness doesn't happen without sincere focus on the complexities of life and the challenges that come around us. Faithfulness doesn't happen without discernment and discussion and even debate. So as we move into this new year, as we seek to grow, draw closer to God's presence and live according to God's purposes and serve God well in this city, we want to keep working on faithful following, especially in the ways that honor and serve God and do not embarrass God. We're not talking about forgetting every pleasure. We're not talking about becoming a monk. We're not talking about giving it all away. We're talking about serious thoughtfulness in living faithfully out of our baptisms into daily lives of discipleships. We're striving to grow in faithfulness and effectiveness at recognizing to whom we belong and how we can bear God's light and love in this city with our individual lives and together as a church. So friends, may we be guided in these days by those powerful promises that we heard today. 
We've been given a name. We have an identity. We are loved. We are held. We are cherished. We are promised that God will never leave us. And we're called to be God's disciples. Loving and serving God, bearing light, bringing hope, promoting peace and justice and joy as far as we can go. May God's Spirit so touch our lives and so call us afresh to faithful following Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Let us pray. Holy God, to turn from you is to fall. To turn to you is to rise, to stand with you, to serve you. Oh God, that is to abide forever. We seek that way. We commit to that way, following Christ our Lord. Amen.